I want to introduce to you again. Um, there's a book that came out that came out recently. Now think of the title of it in a minute here. But uh, it was written by Josh McDowell. And he's written a couple of interesting books. He wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Evidence That Demands a Verdict 2. Highly recommend you read both of those books. Uh, they're not a man's book. They're a woman's book. They're about that thick. Man's book got, can't be over a half inch. But uh, they, I'm telling you what, he, he does some plowing on that. Does a good job of evidence that demands a verdict. He talks about the, how do we get our Bible. I, if I question you tonight, would you know the answer how we got our Bible? How do we get this old Bible right here? Well, he answers that in the book in detail. The canonicity of the Bible, both Old Testament through the Masoretic scribes and the New Testament. You should know that. It's the book you're, you're putting your life on. You should get the book and read it. You know, turn off the video games. Turn TV off and start reading. Well, anyway, I'm not here to scold you. I'm here to exhort you. And so if I can help you in this area, I will. But anyways, he wrote this book, wrote another book, and I'll think of the title of it in a minute. As I cannot right now grab that, what's the title of Oh, uh, Beyond Belief to Convictions. I think that's the name of it, Beyond Belief to Conviction. It's, it's, a, it's a good book um, that he brings out, this thing called postmodernism. What is going on today? I read statistics by Barna and some other institutions that say, you know, that 70% of the young people raising Bible believe in churches are leaving the church, never going back to any church. They just leave the church. How does that happen? How do they sit under Bible preaching, Bible teaching, Sunday school classes? You folks love God. You're not a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, you're hypocritical, but you're not purposefully hypocritical. There's a difference between purposefully hypocritical people that are playing the game and then people who once in a while don't live everything they say, which is everybody in this room. And once in a while, we, we are inconsistent, but we don't do it on purpose, and when we do it, we're against it. Amen? If I'm inconsistent, I'm against being inconsistent. I want to be consistent in Christ. I repent of the inconsistency. That's what real fundamental Bible believers do. So you'd think that they would have been able to meet God and, and he would be real to them, but something happened to them. And this thing is called postmodernism. I want to go over it. I want to define it for you tonight. It's a little bit technical at the beginning, but after we get through the te technical part of it, I want to do the application on this. will be helpful to you. Hopefully this goes over the you people live streaming. This will help you. And if Barrows is watching, Monday is coming. But anyway, uh, but we live in a day of postmodernism. Seldom define, ver seldom verbalize, and postmodernism is very persuasive and found in almost every corner of the modern day philosophy. Our secular education system is saturated with postmodernism. Our high schools, our junior highs are saturated with it. Even the elementary, many of the elementary teachers, uh, I know a, a couple is not. 
But many of the elementary teachers, unbelievers, and are hold, they hold to a thing called postmodernism. And there's even been a, an attempt to revise history. I'm talking revisionism. Revising history. Who would dare have the audacity to revise history? Adolf Hitler and some of these people that we're, we live with. They want to take the things that offend out of history. Listen, the Civil War is a Civil War is a Civil War. It was fought by people we, we never met any of. And we shouldn't be taking a bunch of the statues down and be taking all the stuff down and trying to erase the memory of them, folks, because we'll do it again. What is history taught? That you repeat history, especially if you ignore it. And so you ought to remember the Civil War so you don't do it again. I'm over that. The textbook writers are the biggest, the biggest, the horror of it all is that people who write the, the textbooks for the schools, um, there used to be believers mentioned in them, and they've been taken out for the most part as they attempt to revise our forefathers. Our forefathers were absolutists. If you haven't read this book, there's a video, by the way, on this book if you, if you're, if you can't read. Some people say, Bill, I just can't read well. No, I'm, I'm, I'm compassionate with you, okay? If you can't read well, can you listen well? Because we got great abilities to put things on video or audio, and this is on a audio, and it is on video. And actually, if you got the video, it's always good to turn the audio on. That was a joke. You guys are tough. You're getting over serious on me. But you're so if you turn the video on, you got a talking head that goes along with the audio. This is a phenomenon. This is these are facts, un indisputable, indisputable facts about the founding of America. America is and has been founded as a Christian, Jesus Christ Christian nation. Not a God generally, not God generically. But Jesus Christ, Yale, Harvard, and all the ones you had to be say you had to be saved and confess Jesus Christ to get into the college early on. I mean, higher education. Some of the most educated people in America have been born again, old time, Bible believing, fundamental Christians. They held to the principles of the Bible, not to pragmatic ideas that float around and morph and change with the times. They believed in higher power that was, that, that was verbalized as Jesus Christ, as I said, Jehovah God also. Uh, I can read you a couple little quotes out of this if I, can, if I may do that. Um, I'm not going into the separation of church and state, but the separation of church and state was never meant to keep the, the it was meant to keep the state out of the church, never the church out of the state. You'll not find separation of church and state in any of the founding fathers' documents. It's just not there. It's not there. And so we have these uh, the biblical underpinnings of America were so obvious to previous generations that in 1892, even the United States Supreme Court had no difficulty in rendering a unanimous decision declaring no purpose of action against religion can be imputed to any legislation, state, or nation because this is a religious people. This is a Christian nation, 1892. Not a little over 100 years ago. Well, there's many, many 
factual statements like that in his book. And our teachers, by the way, fifth, sixth grade teachers, man, in history ought to be utilizing all that and pumping that to the kids by the grace of God and tell them what the real deal is. Um, I agree this may be the time of the end or the end times. This may be, by the way, postmodernism may be the lie that Satan uses to deceive the whole world. I don't know that. But here are some of the tenets of this philosophy. Josh, Josh McDowell, as I told you, makes it, I think, an amazing statement in his book on page 20. Here's what he says. I am convinced that the majority of our young people who have accepted or adopted Christianity have done so, not because they have judged it to be true and thus worthy of acceptance, but because Christianity seemed to be the best option they have encountered up to this date. God forbid that our young people are Christian because it was convenient, or Christian because the mom and dad were Christian, or Christian because they really it just seemed the best option they had. We, our young people, Thomas, need to know why they believe, what they believe, and are willing to die for what they believe by the grace of God. Now, those kind of people aren't going to be turned off or turned over. Josh further states uh, in his book, today's culture is completely intolerant of anyone who believes in absolute truth. Man, you've seen that over every media. This is what truth, this is a truth that exists. Uh, what is absolute truth? This is a truth that exists outside of ourselves, one that is true to all people, for all times, for all places. If a young person professes to believe in such a system, they will face widespread scorn or even persecution. Why? Postmodernism does not believe that statement that I just read. <laughs> Absolutely does not believe that. Now, here's a brief definition right out of the book of postmodernism. Number, and it's, it's five, six things I'm going to define postmodernism from you and help you out. Number one, truth does not exist in any objective sense. That's postmodernism. Truth does not exist in any objective sense. In other words, everything is subjective to you. It's through the lens of your eyes, of your understanding. Number two, postmodernism rejects any one explanation of truth and reality. There cannot be just one explanation. Number three, truth, whether in science, education, or religion, is created by a specific culture or a community and is true only for that culture. In other words, they would say Christianity is popular here because our culture is Christian and we've taught Christianity, but that doesn't make it right. Because over in India, they teach 84% Hindu, and they got their background. So it's, they look at religion as a culture-based morphing system. You with me on this? It basically gets this belief system from the local community and develops it, puts it in a book, and says, this is it, believe it. But they don't really believe that there's an actual supernatural creator God who made everything, spoke at all. That's why they hold the evolution, by the way, and all this other, because they can't believe in creation because it contradicts, it contradicts their whole philosophy of life. Number four, individuals are created by their cultures and are not essentially unique creatures created in the image of God. We're not created in the image of God. You're created in the image of your culture. Number five, all thinking is simply a social construct, and it is arbitrary that we are conditioned to accept by our society, home life, and such. In other words, we're basically 
fed this stuff by our culture, and this is why you believe it. It's just it's it's not real. It's just sociologically accepted as real. And if you believe it to be real, it's real. Well, you can believe that it's snowing outside all you want, but it's not. You can sit there and go, I believe, I believe, I believe it's not snowing outside. I wouldn't say that if I was in Alaska right now because it snows every month every month of the year. You people from Alaska know what I'm talking about. I think every month of the year they get a little snowstorm. I was up there in July, it snowed. I was up there in August, it snowed. But here, you're not going to get that. Number six, any system that claims to be objectively true, which we do, Christianity, fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Christianity, we believe we have a thing called the truth. Or unfavorably judges the values, beliefs, lifestyle, and truth claims of another, and we do. In other words, we say the Hinduism, you're going to miss heaven. We say Buddhism, you're going to miss heaven. We say Islam, you're going to miss heaven. In fact, we say anything you believe other than Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God who died for you, was resurrected the third day, you're going to miss out on God's preparation for you to get to go to heaven and have your sins forgiven. So we believe in exclusivity of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's, and they think when you, when you do that, all you're doing is doing a power play. You're just trying to force an effort of one culture to dominate another culture. That's what they think. So that is postmodernism. Does that sound familiar? You've run into it on the street. People don't even know philosophy know it. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness and high places. In other words, who gives some of these people their teaching? The evil one. It's done spiritually. And so let's go to the Bible now. Now it's Bible time. So John chapter 10 and verses 1 through 11. Let me read that quickly. I know it's a long passage. It won't be long, and I won't go long tonight. And that's the frivolous words of a preacher. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. I hope you underline that. You think Jesus is talking disparagingly of anybody that disagrees with him. Look at the verse. For I say unto you, enter not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as the thief and a robber. Because a little later on he says he's the door of the sheepfold. He makes it very clear. So there he is talking disparagingly, according to postmodernism, of some other belief system, and consequently all he is doing is trying to get a following and, and exercising a power play philosophically to cause people to leave what they believe and come to him. They don't believe in the legitimacy that God sent his only son for us. But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and sheep follow him, and they know his voice. The clearest example of verse 4 is a person called Nora Carvin. Nora gave her testimony in a deacon's meeting when you first came here. And the Spirit of God was talking to me as you were talking. You didn't know that. But she talked about her journey 
to Gospel Baptist. You had a journey to get to Gospel Baptist. How are you going through the Jehovah's Witnesses? Right behind you is a former Jehovah's Witness. The journey you got to go through. Why aren't, why is, what's your name again? But, uh, in other words, how'd you get out of Jehovah's Witnesses? Because the voice wasn't right. And the word voice there, if you look it up in the Greek, it's not talking about what it's saying. It's talking about a tone. When my mother would talk to me, she didn't, I didn't maybe understood what she said, but I knew it was her. Uh, she had dementia pretty badly, and once in a while she'd come out of the fog and have an awakening. And actually dementia changed her voice. It changed her voice. And it wasn't the woman I grew up with. But then once in a while I'd walk in there and she would say, Billy, how you been? And it would be like, this is my mother. This is my mother. Are you there? I said, Lorraine, is that you? She said, yes. What's been going on? Well, man, we'd have a 20-minute conversation about a, live, a, a lucid conversation. Then all of a sudden her voice would change back to the dementia voice and go back into the fall. And I thought, boy, how great it was. Before she died, by the way, the last words I got to talk to her, she had come out of the fog. And she said to me, she said, my, my dad was always Winston Churchill, you know, the victory of World War II people. He'd always do this. You know, my dad would always do this. And she went, like she raised her two little fingers up, and she said, I'll see you in heaven. That was the last time, that's the last she said to me, last word she said to me. And I said, has God told you that? And she never answered that. But somehow she knew. And it was a couple days later she was gone and got to go to heaven. Um, but that was my mom. How did I know it? Not by what she said, by the voice. And Nora heard God's voice. Whatever your name back there is, the IFBI's wife. What's her name, Kathy? Who? Ellie. Ellie. I have a photographic memory. I have a photographic memory. The problem is, the problem is I got overexposure. Ellie <laughs> Young, even know the last name. Well, I'm doing good. If you knew how hard names were for me. But Ellie, Ellie heard the voice. That's what he's saying there. And the stranger, will they not follow? They're not going to follow Jehovah's Witnesses. They're not going to follow that. Well, they will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Wow. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things, uh, that not what things they were which he spake unto them. In verse 7, then said Jesus unto them again, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Another time in John 14, 6, a little later, he said, I am the way. Not a way, postmodernism. Not a cultural way that's been invented by a local community of people. But I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. It's clear in Scripture. And so he said, all that ever came before me are what? Thieves. Robbers. Well, that's talking disparagingly of another cultural system. Yes, it is. That's talking disparagingly of Muhammad. That's talking disparagingly of Hindus. Yes, it is. 
and the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go out and come in, go in and come out, and out and find pasture. Verse ten: The thief cometh not, but this is what false religion is all about. What's false religion? The devil created it all. What's a false religion? It's there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So, let's do a little analysis of that. Number one, there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be saved. It's, it's Jesus Christ. Now you say, I don't agree with that. You're calling Jesus a liar, and someday you're going to face him, and you know, you're going to have that whole thing to work with. He said, I'm the door twice. All others try to come in another way, are thieves and robbers, and they come to steal, kill, and destroy. The sheep supernaturally, I believe by the blessed Holy Spirit, recognize the shepherd's voice, his tone, the word can be translated phone. A tone, a sound, a voice, a noise. The shepherd knows his sheep personally by their name. He's intimate. The, shepherd, the sheep follow the shepherd as he leads them. They're obedient. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He's their substitution. In other words, there's only one way you're going to get to heaven. There's only one way you're going to have your sins forgiven. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is no other way. Now, that just grinds a liberal moderate to the core of their soul. That is so narrow. That looks like a biblical term. They're so narrow. They're so straight. Narrow and straight is the way leads unto life, but broad, inclusivistic is the way that leads to hell. So the question is, are you trying to climb up some other way? All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Now Crawford, Conrad, and, and uh, James never personally came to the belief that Jesus was what I just got done talking about. Had they, they would not have turned the other way. Jesus said, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Muhammad is a fraud. He's a thief of men's soul, and he's a robber of their future. And you can put that on the internet. Buddha is a fraud, a thief of men's souls, and a steal of etern their eternal destiny. Any theolog theological system, religion system, or religious system that replaces Calvary with works, or duty, or performance, is killing, maiming, and destroying men's souls. Postmodernism taught in secular colleges by PhDs. They're classy. They're articulate. Uh, they have good language skill. They're slick. They have a good, nice demeanor about them. They're polished arguers. They're thieves and robbers. And they teach tolerance, open-mindedness, and religious promiscuity. All the while, 
preaching intolerance of exclu exclusivity. These are big words. I'm doing the best to get through them. Okay, here, let's, let's review that. The message of liberals is tolerance of different ideas. And yet, if you differ with them, they crush you. And why did they hate Trump? Really, besides his sweet personality. The hate that Trump generated by the left was generated not by his personality and his tweets and all of that. It was by his absolutism. This, I hope you got that. If you think Trump made them mad like that, yeah, they made him mad, but they, that he, he's old, he's going to die pretty soon. What they hated about Trump is somehow he got elected as president of the United States of America with a school system devoted to inclusivism and tolerance, and he was intolerant and absolutely believed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And the more he spoke that way, the larger and higher their level of hate went. Do you remember? It just got. It just, it just went off the charts. They couldn't say a good word about the man, even if he saved people or helped people, or it was obvious he did good things for America. It wouldn't make any difference. The man believes that there's only one way to heaven. So who did he really make mad? The devil. And when you make the devil mad. He's the God of this world. He's the prince and power of the air. He's so powerful, the angel Michael, I think it was, wouldn't even rebuke him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. And so when Trump got up there as president of the United States, representing the United States, and, and say, there's no climate change because God's got the thing in control. What? We're out of control. Within 10, this Greta girl, within 10 years, you're all going to die. I got a 16-year-old punk telling me what's going to happen? And no offense, man, on top of that, a girl? I'm old school, brother. I'm male-driven, male-dominated, and male-controlled everything. And by the way, that ain't a bad world to live in. Unless you're Muslim. That's pretty bad then. I'm talking about Christian men. A man that will stand up and be counted for God. Lead his family in devotions. Have his, mom, have his wife and kids read the Bible through every year. Not that he forces them, he leads them. He's the first one to read the Bible. He's the first one to get done. He's the first one to memorize scripture. He's the first one to believe God number one. That's what leadership's about. Anybody can drive somebody, but you can't lead them. Oh, that's good. That's good. Sometimes I preach, I, I even like what I preach. <laughs> he that climbs some other way is a thief. Is a thief and a robber. I'm not softening any of Jesus' words up. You can get to the book and read it yourself. 
Now, you young people, this may be some of you new people with us. Some of you new people haven't been under this kind of preaching, under kind of teaching. You've been brainwashed the other way for years, especially if you're going to secular universities. I went to Indiana University for a couple of semesters, and I could not believe. This was in 1971. Were things better? No. Indiana University, economics class. Economics, macroeconomics class. The, our teacher, which was a smart old boy, I mean, he was a PhD, he was real, this is what I said, articulate, classy, he could out-argue you, he knew where you were coming, you know, all this other stuff. I was a, what was I, 19 years old still, and 20 years old maybe? He got up in front of class one day, and we're talking about macroeconomics, macro microeconomics, and that, you know, I mean, I was taking, I was a business major. He lifted his hand up in the room like this, and he goes, some of you believe that there's a hand of God behind everything. I hope you're not that ignorant. This is with a bunch of 18-year-olds, a bunch of 19-year-olds. This guy's like 40 years old. He's, the, he's what they all want to be. You send your kids to a secular school, that's what you get. You are going to get it. Now some kids can survive that. I survived it. Because I left IU after a year and thought, this is crazy. Because I heard that kind of stuff in almost all my classes. They're not just teaching business management and and they're not just teaching economics. They're not just. I took accounting course, second semester accounting. They're not just teaching accounting. They're teaching their worldview, their philosophy of life, along with the other stuff. They can't help themselves. And we born again Christians, we can't help ourselves. If you send your kid to gospel, Baptist, Christian school, or another Christian school, you know what they're probably going to get? The biblical philosophy of life. People come into me sometimes and protested that their kids had to memorize scripture or do this. And I said, what's the name of the school? They said, well, it's gospel. Stop. Gospel, here's what it means. And I said, what's the second name? Baptist. Here's what Baptist means. What's the third name? Christian. Christian. By the time we get to Christian, they're like, I got it. I got it. I shouldn't be surprised. No, you shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised at all what we do when it comes to memorizing scripture and loving Jesus and pushing him number one. Making him number one? I'd rather have you dumb and toothless. I would say bald, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But I'd rather have you dumb, toothless, and bald before I'd have you be an atheist or an agnostic or a guy like Crawford or Conrad or James. It had been better, and this is I end with this. It had been better a man not ever be born. I preach a whole sermon on that phrase. Than to know the truth and turn from it. What in the world kind of a judgment are people going to have that sat under the gospel for years and years and years and turned away from it? I know the Bible says it would be better if you had never been born. All I can tell you, from, from that verse, the punishment's going to be so bad, so long, so serious, that they will wish they had never been born.
and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it'll be too late. Don't that be you? Listen, if, if I've shaken you now a little bit, that's what I'm shooting for. I want to shake you enough to be able to, to defend your faith. To understand why do I believe what I believe? We don't want people in here following Bill Lytell. We don't want people in here following Gospel Baptist doctrinal statement. We want people in here that can go to the Bible and say, this is why it is because the Bible says so, and we can defend it and stand on it. We're not looking for puppets. It won't last. We want real believers from the ground up. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom from above. May you just help as this goes out. Lord God, save us. And you have. And your kingdom's never been in danger. The foundation of God stand as sure. The world's not going to overthrow the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's never going to happen. You are going to reign victorious. You're going to come back King of kings and Lord of lords. And you're going to slay everybody that stood up against you, eventually taking the devil himself and casting him in a lake of fire with the beast and where the false prophet are. And the world at that point will be rid of all those who followed him and believe that system. But Father, I don't want anybody to go to hell, neither do you. I want to see people saved. There could be folks in this room who have been toying around with postmodernism. Do I believe this just because my mom and dad taught it to me and I grew up in a Christian home? God forbid that that be true. You make it your own. My Father, help us in Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.